Welcome to Level 7, Episode 116, Daredevil Season 1, Episode 13, Daredevil. Welcome to Level 7, a podcast about Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and the Marvel Cinematic Universe. It's a magical place. Hello, 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 and welcome. Welcome to the big show. This is the one, this is the finale episode, not of Welcome to Level 7, but of Daredevil. It's taken us months to get here, but we are finally here. And when I say we, I mean not just you, dear listener, sitting there on your couch or in your car, mowing your lawn, maybe snuggled up to that special someone in a love seat by a fire, with a nice cup of tea in your hand. No, I mean you, yes, and I mean me, yes, Ben, Ben Avery, but I also mean my co-host, my partner in crime, my friend. The guy who was getting worried that maybe he had to look for a new job. When you said finale, it seemed so final. Well, it is, except it's not. I mean, they ordered a second season. but See, you look at it as, as final. I look at it as opening the door to next week. Look, season three. <laughs> well, I do. Two I, more to go. I look you at it. You know what I'm I, talking I, about, Ricky? Uh, you know what I'm talking about. Daniel, it's been a ride, my friend. I mean, we've got a busy season ahead of us. We've got. Oh, geez. We've got, got Ages of Shield season ball, three. And I got some winter ball. Got spring ball. So you got the lacrosse thing going on. But in the meantime, we also have, more appropriate for the podcast, Season 3, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. In between there, tucked in there, nicely, as they did before, Agent Carter, Season 2. Also tucked in there, not as nicely. <laughs> I'm not sure how this is going to work yet. Uh, with Daredevil, it worked out nicely over the summer as a compact unit. So it, they all happened together as far as our recording went. But then we have Jessica Jones coming in there. And we have Daredevil Season 2. That's that's next, right? After Jessica Jones? That is next. I have a feeling, prediction, next summer. We know what our content is. It'll probably Daredevil all over again. Yeah, I think the only real scheduling issues will be Jessica Jones. And well, and if Hey Girl suddenly shows up on the schedule. That would also cause some That, that would, would be a major real scheduling hey Girl issues. shows up. <laughs> we navigated last season with Agent Carter and all that stuff and Daredevil. We navigated Daredevil that that uh took us long enough, but it, basically we we took the summer and it was nice. It was leisurely. But We'll see what happens with with uh, Jessica Jones and and how that's going to work for us. You think it was leisurely? Ain't nobody. Ain't no. Just saying. <laughs> a lot of hard work ahead of me. A lot of hard work. Yeah, yeah, but none of that having to do with what we're talking about. No, none of it. Right. Zero. Yeah. Zilch. Nil. None. Yeah. So that's it's all exciting. Uh, I'm excited it is because superhero comic book TV is alive and well. Yeah, and that's, I think, something we're going to be talking about after the credits, right? I think so. But you know what? Directors, 
they can say that it's overblown. They can compare it to the Western and say our time is done. I say, sir, it is not done. <sighs> it's going to be a big year for us, buddy. Big year. Yeah. Well, it's going to be a big year outside of Marvel, too. I mean, we've got Star Wars coming up. We've got a whole bunch of other things happening on TV. A revival of a well. TV series that you are very excited about. Uh, X-Files. Or am I? Um, no, or that's true. I, 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 I assumed you would be because you are a fan of that series, but, and X-Files is not it. I was teasing him. You got to wait until after the post credit. Yeah. But we do have also, well, I mean, we got some other exciting things, Daniel, and I think it's time for us to move to the, uh, the news segment because I can't wait to hear the sounder as <laughs> it constantly evolves. Our, our, yeah, well, uh, okay, here here it is. I'm going to press the button. <laughs> X3, X3, read all about it. There's a story happening here tonight. Five cents for an issue. X3, X3. <laughs> I'm blown away. Blow How many hours did that take? Uh, I can tell you it took exactly, let's see, five seconds. Um, I find that unbelievable. Next week, we return to our regular, (laughs) regular sounders. And at that time, Ben will no longer remember what the names of the segments are, even though we name them together. No, I I have them in front of me now. That's the problem. I I can remember them because they are lit on the screen in front of me. But we do need to talk about some news here, Daniel. Do we have any uh, MCU news? I mean, I think there. You know, I don't think there's any that's worth talking about. Um. I I I, th- I think I would agree here, partially because I just want to get to the other stuff. <laughs> I mean, there's really... casting, you know, Fury's get uh, Nick Cage, Nick Cage. Nick what Cage. what happened Fury there? Cage, what are you doing? Yes. L- Luke Cage, the, you know, they announced some some cast and that sort of stuff. But I mean, and Luke Crate. Hey, if you're interested, they're offering up that covert Luke Crate again so you can get your lanyard. That is true on Facebook.com slash Welcome to Level 7. We put up a link. It's not an affiliate link. I mean, it's just put up there because I thought there might be some people who wanted to get that. And no, it's not an affiliate oh, link. Oh, Scott Glenn's back. Scott Glenn is coming back for more than one episode of Daredevil season two. There, there, There's news. Okay. So see, I was a liar. There is news worth talking about. And all I can say is, yeah, that's cool. Uh, who does Scott play? Scott Glenn. Scott, uh, dude, he plays Glenn. He plays stick, dude. Oh. He plays stick. That is news. That is news. Multi. That's good episodes. news. That's good news. He's a professional actor. Just saying. He is, but he really took that part and made it. He does a good job. Yeah. And it is official that Rosario Dawson is going to be on Nick Cage's brother's Luke Cage's show. <laughs> oh, man. But as we predicted. Yeah, yeah. Well, and that's a good thing, too. Yeah, very good thing. These are good things, but they're they're not even she's the news almost, I want to talk about. She's almost, from what I'm hearing right now, she is almost like the Nick Fury of that side of our universe. But really, that's you know? the purpose Night Nurse should be playing in this yeah. in in this street level. She should be the, that connective tissue. Yeah, that's kind of cool. And she's us, if you think about it. You know, she in many ways is our in character that we can most relate to because I don't know about you, but my skin's not unbreakable, brother. It's not. And my senses aren't completely crazy to allow me to. I do have a nickname about my fist, Daniel Butcher, the crystal fist. It's like glass. (laughs) 
<laughs> I don't even know, want to know if I want to know. And with the power of the crystal fist, it became glass-like. And as I hit it against the wall, it shattered. Wow. That almost sounds like there's a story behind it, but I don't want to get into that. I want to get into our news. Reading a lot of, reading, reading a lot of Iron Fist. So. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. I want to get into our news. So here's our news. All right, let's do it. Let's do it. This is our news. I mean, this is literally welcome to level seven news. And that is next week, we're going to be giving away some stuff in our season opening podcast episode. What? Yeah, we've got some comics to give away and we've got a a crate, a, a blind crate that came to us from a listener who purchased it because he wanted one of the things that was in it, didn't want everything. And so Agent Snooks, are we allowed to mention his name? I think we should. He's the official sponsor of this contest. Yeah. Well, he's unofficially officially the sponsor. Everybody knows Agent Stook's name. Yeah, everybody on Facebook does. And so we're going to do something in his And if honor. you're not on Facebook, you're missing out on some great material from Agent Stook. Yeah. You truly are. Yeah. And so he sent this box to us that has some stuff in it. There's some extra things put into the box. That's our grand prize that's going to come from a uh, Facebook contest that we are going to be running a Facebook and Twitter contest actually. But first the comic contest, there are going to be in the next week, two photos. There'll be Funko photos like we did before, but there's only going to be two of them. And if you put a caption on the photo, if you, you know, in the, on the Facebook post, if you go into the comments there and leave a comment that is a caption for the pictures, you will be for each caption that you leave on each picture. So you can leave multiple captions, but you're only going to get one entry per picture. So you can get two at most for the comic book entries on Facebook and then two at most for the Twitter entries as well. And those names will be put into a hat. Uh, We will be closing down the entries at midnight on Monday, Eastern time. And so that will give us Tuesday to be able to compile things, put the names into the hat and then pull one at random for, well, actually I shouldn't say pull one at random because we have a number of prizes we want to give away. Plus a grand prize, a grand comic prize, which is uh, a full series of the shield comic. uh, Well, not full series, but issues one, issues one through six of the shield comic, plus a couple extra things that I'm going to put in there. Um, that will go to someone to the cap- caption that made us laugh the most. So Daniel and I will look at all the captions and find the one that we found really the most hilarious. And then that will go. That's a purely objective. No subjective. No, that's purely objective where we are deciding. What no, that it's funny. Sub- subjective. It's purely subjective where we're deciding what we thought was funny. But the key there is, and I've said this many times, know the judges wink, wink. <laughs> We really are hoping that this will get people to join the Facebook page and you know follow us on Twitter, join the conversations that we're having beyond the caption contest. Although I have to say, when we did those caption contests not too long ago, those were really, really fun. Those were so much fun. And it got a lot of people out of the woodwork. And there were some really, really funny captions that were coming out of that. And it was just it was just a fun time. And that's that's really why we do the podcast. Because we're having a fun time. So that's what we're doing. By the way, they get you an entry into the drawing for the uh, the Marvel, the, the Marvel, I don't know, swag 
box that we have that has what what's in there you you're the one who has it in your possession uh say this there's a pop the when you say there's a pop you don't mean there's, there's a, a pop soda. bobblehead of an avenger yeah yeah and luckily i already had it so i didn't try to steal it <laughs> So, yeah, there's actually some some pretty cool stuff in there. And as for the comics themselves, there's issue one through six is the grand prize. But there will be other comics that are not, you know, the grand prize. I think we have five, maybe six copies of, of some stuff that we'll be doing as the, the smaller prizes, so to speak. It's going to be good. Yeah, yeah, it'll be fun. It'll be fun. And that's really all I want to get out of this, you know is I want to have fun. And so we always try and find, you know, if we're going to do a contest, what's something that, that'll be fun for our listeners. That's our news though. We need to move on. We have a big episode to talk about. And yeah, if you have any questions or anything, like just, just direct message us, you know, or send us an email to feedback at welcome level seven.com. And it, like I said, it'll be on Facebook. It'll be on Twitter. We'll talk about it. That's what we're doing right now. Free stuff is good. It is good. As someone said I, on the Facebook post, I said, you want to listen to this episode, so you, especially if you like to win free stuff. And someone said, yeah, winning free stuff is so much better than you know, winning for stuff you have to pay for. So I want to thank them. Thank them for pointing out my my redundancy. Let's move on, because this is a big episode we need to talk about. Are you ready? A controversial episode of Welcome to Level 7. It quite possibly will be. I actually already know some controversy that I'm going to be disagreeing with someone about this yes well let's find out what i said months ago well let's do that here we go opening statements so here's what opening statements are in the context of this podcast the opening statement is simply put us calling ourselves leaving a voicemail on the welcome to level seven hotline which you can call and leave a message anytime you want to it's uh one seven seven five 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 three eight three five seven. That's one seventy seven fifty five level seven. We called ourselves right after watching these episodes of Daredevil so that we would not lose that instant reaction. And Daniel, I do not remember exactly what I said when I called. I do not remember the words from past Ben, but here's what I do remember as I was watching this episode. And getting ready to do this recording. So I'm doing my rewatch. I remembered how I felt about this episode. I feel very different than I remembered feeling when I first watched this. So, Ooh. yeah, I think past Ben is going to make a fool of himself again. Well, that seems to happen he, every time he yeah, calls. Yeah, but I really hope with Jessica Jones, we could find a way to make things less awkward for the two of you. <laughs> well. It might be by not doing this because we're we're actually responding pretty quickly. But uh, I think this is me here. It might be you. <laughs> you think we're going to respond quickly? <laughs> all right. All right. Here we go. Hey, Daniel. I Future me. Uh, it's me, Ben, from the present, calling into the future. So it's from the past. And I am calling in for the last episode titled Daredevil. And you know what? Here's the thing. This episode wrote, um, don't get me wrong. It's super good. It's very good. Maintains the level of quality. I just was surprised after these 12 episodes 
leading up to this point, how how standard, how how um, not surprising things were in this episode. Kingpin gets arrested. He escapes. He's going to have a one-on-one battle with Daredevil. He finally puts on the costume. I mean, that's every superhero ever in the, in movie form. Now, usually we get it at the end of a two-hour movie. And in this case, we're getting at the end of 13 hours. Okay. But at the same time, I'm just looking at this and thinking to myself, ah, they've done all these things that have kind of defied expectations or that have gone in other directions that we weren't expecting, people dying that we weren't expecting, people living that we weren't expecting. I guess I really called that wrong on Vanessa, didn't I? Future Ben, I hope you didn't play that extra message I sent about you did. You did, didn't you? You did it just to spite me. Anyway, uh, so at the end of this, when he puts on the costume, when he goes and fights Kingpin, it's hand-to-hand. It's satisfying, but it's surprisingly um, it's surprisingly rote. It's, just, it's surprisingly standard. Um, the two exceptions to that is the payoff for that scene is when they get uh, Kingpin, put him in jail. He's finally in white. He's gone from black to gray. He's in white now, and he's looking at rabbits in a snowstorm on his wall. That's his rosebud. He's Citizen Kane, and then Daredevil, his last moment, where he's jumping off the rooftop, and he has that perfect pose. I want to see more of that. I want to see more of that, and it took us until the last 15 minutes of 13 hours to get to that. We'll see more. I hope he's going to guest star in other shows. We'll see him in costume in The Defenders, but oh, man. And then finally, last thing, Madam Gao. I think she's going to be tied into Iron Fist. She did not walk off into the sunset to never to be seen again. She walked off into the sunset so that she can show up in Iron Fist. And she's she's from a place that's further than China. Or where could that be? That's that magical city, that Shangri-La type place. And I need to get off the phone now because I only have three minutes to leave a message. So um, goodbye, Daniel. Future Ben, be seeing you later. Talk to you later. Bye. Well, are we just done now, I guess? You wrapped it all up. I kind of wrapped it up, except I was kind of a stupid fool about it. I don't know what I was thinking, calling it rote. This time I watched it, I found it compelling, and I found it deep. And anything that was rote about it didn't matter because it was actually had just some just meat and depth and reason. Yeah. Well, one of these two bins is correct, and one of them is not. Well, let's find out which one, and also let's find out about Daniel. It's Daniel, and it is finished. It is done. It is completed. Daredevil, I finally plowed through it, and I've got through the whole show finally. Here's my thoughts. Vincent D'Onofrio is brilliant. He's why I kept watching this show. He, When he's on the screen, he is just putting on a show. I've seen him in so many different roles. But here is Fisk. He just adds a complexity. I want to like Fisk. I want to root for him. He's brutal yet subtle. He's He's got issues, yet he's so confident. He's a contrast, and I love it. And Vincent D'Afrio has really, for me, established what a kingpin should be. Now, I will say Charlie Cox and I, you know, I'm not always warmed up to him as Daredevil and Matt Murdock. Oh, it was fine. He's probably the best Daredevil to date. 
but it wasn't always, you know, the reason I came back. Um, go ahead, throw throw sticks at me, throw stones at me. I'm sorry, but, you know, he was good, but not as great as Vincent D'Aprio, who <laughs> seriously, seriously is just magnificent. And as we now know, there's a year before we might see a trial. Can I say second season? Hey, speaking of things that were destroyed here in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, so it's Daredevil's fault. It was the first place where you didn't get our post credit. Is that what's going on here? Overall, I liked Daredevil. I, I liked Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. better, and I do like the movies better. But I liked Daredevil. I, I liked the change in tone. And I really like Vincent D'Ofrio. Um, He may be my favorite MCU villain. And that's saying a lot, because Ultron and Loki are pretty high. But, again, he was just so great as Kingpin. So, I'm a hot mess, and I say, be safe, kids, make good choices, because I've got to begin to start rewatching Daredevil. Peace out later, bye. Well, there's us. I, I think that sounded definitive. <laughs> so, uh, we just go right into the uh, the witness testimony, no, right? No, the case evidence. No, I mean, do we even need that? Oh, yeah. <sighs> All right, let's do it. Case evidence. And here's why. I mean, there's a lot to this episode. There's a lot to talk about. Well, and if we shorten it, when am I going to have an opportunity to say hot mess? So You already did. <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, yeah, you, you said uh, Vincent D'Onofrio, I mean, he's the reason you watch. Honestly, you know, he... He deserved, uh, you know, I saw some people complaining about the Emmy nominations and he did. He deserved at least a supporting, a supporting actor. I just don't know a villain that's as complex as him. And I would, he is both intimidating and vulnerable at the same time. Yeah. And that's him. That's him as an actor. Yes. He, the, the part has been well written. But if you took an actor that didn't have the skill to be able to pull off the subtlety that he has as this character, it would not look good. And, and I mean, Asala from Indiana Jones, I mean, he's been in some good stuff. But as a kingpin, he was a hack. <laughs> did I say that out loud? I did. We already reviewed that. He was we a did. hack. We did. We did review um, that one. But this this kingpin has the same intimidating factor of his physical presence that we're used to in the comic book, but with that extra edge where you want to feel for him, all the feels are there. It it was a brilliant and masterful performance. I'm sorry. uh, Daredevil as a character just was never that for me. No, not, not, not to the, not to that reach, not to that extent. I mean, Daredevil as a character had moments and had an arc that I appreciated, uh, but his moments were always more subtle, always more subtle. And this is definitely one of those situations where the villain has more to sink his teeth into for the actor. You know, I I mean, this is really, I mean, that's almost every villain. Well, and we, we talked earlier about how, you know, for Wilson, he is the hero of his story. But I'm going to throw something out if, as we look at the evolution of his character here. We t- we've talked in other places about a hero's arc, about a, a hero's journey. 
uh, here we really have the villain's journey. You know what? We do. Him becoming self-aware of the fact that he is not the hero in this story and him being okay with it. Which is interesting because you you hear the phrase thrown around comic book villain. You know, and, and usually when they're talking about something other than comic books, it's a derisive term. It's talking about a villain that is evil for the sake of being evil. You know, the mustache twirling villain who has no uh, reason for doing what he's doing other than, well, he's bad. He was written that way. And or or to quote Jessica Rabbit, he was drawn that way. And what's interesting here is that he starts out and he's super sympathetic. You if not sympathetic, you understand he's he's understandable. But you're right. By the end of this episode, he he comes to that realization. And, uh, and in a lot of the ways, it's the same thing that, that Matt Murdock is, is dealing with as he's trying to decide which side do I fall on? I love this city. I'm going to try and you know save the city, but I don't want to fall onto the side of the demons or the devils, so to speak, to do so. But Fisk realizes whatever <laughs> this is all these things I'm doing. I think, you know, I think he's kind of made the realization, oh, I'm just kind of making excuses for doing them because they are bad. They are evil. They are selfish. And it's a very interesting arc. We'll obviously get there when at the end of the episode where we'll talk about the the monologue and that that moment, not of realization, but that moment where he's kind of describing his realization. And. It's also a Hydra moment as well. But I I was trying to think through how we would best uh, walk through this episode. And we've been doing different things like following different characters and different arcs for the episode. But I think this one almost needs to go in chronological order. All right, let's tear through it because I had eight, eight pages of notes. Okay. Well, I have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. I also have eight pages. Man, I was going to brag that I was paying more attention. No, oh, but I wrote big and left left lines in between so I could come back with more notes. So, Oh, I'm jam-packed. I'm very con- very condensed right. in this notebook. Whole new notebook system. Really loving it. Just wow. saying. This notebook is different because I actually have – I did the notes on one side of the notebook, the left the, – the right side, rather, for the first viewing. And then on the second viewing, I did the left side. Oh, I I watched Note Free the first time. Oh, really? Yeah, uh, it was kind of nice to be able to watch something in the MCU. <sighs> it wasn't a big screen movie, and just to watch it. Well, I thought it was kind of nice that I wasn't going to have to remember everything with the first viewing. You know, when we watch a Shield episode, we're talking about it that night, so we can't miss a beat. But yeah, here, but we get forgiveness. Oh, well, yeah. There's grace. There's grace. Yeah. So we start out with uh, Ben Urich's funeral. This funeral segment is sad. It's heartbreaking. I mean, it's a funeral. So it's, and there's you, some good, good, good stuff in here. I mean, there's some really good stuff in here. We, as viewers, get to say goodbye to a good man. So we get closure on him, which I think is awesome. And we see his widow who is has some clear clarity of mind here um, and who we find out is going to be taken care of 
because he took out an insurance policy on himself a long time ago when he did a story, that first you know big dangerous story for him. And so she's going to be taken care of. That's in the present good. tense at that. Ben's taking care of me. Yeah. And this is not this is not uh, a mental lapse. This is her her honest to goodness perception of what's occurred. Yes, Ben has passed away, but Ben has left a support structure for her. So even though he is now deceased, he continues in the present tense to take care of her because he loves her. Yeah. And so if he was still around, he wouldn't have the money to take care of her, but he would have, you know, he would be there to take care of her. Now that he's gone, he has set things in place so that she wouldn't you know, have to deal with these things on her own and and then like financially as well. That's going to she's she's taken care of so we can breathe easy for her. It's not a happy ending for her, but it's not a complete an utter tragedy where she's just now alone and helpless. So that's good. In as 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 good as as it can be. I say. Well, and again, when you say as good as it can be, one of the reoccurring reoccurring issues is the money and the insurance for her. And now that's wrapped up for us. And that's probably out of all the things. I mean, again, we we'll talk about Fisk's trial. You know, that's not got a certain ending. This is a real character personal moment that it feels good to be able to have that tied up. It's not like Mrs. Cardenas that she's going to get a good ending. Ben personally, you know, isn't going to get a good ending. But at least we now know Doris is going to be, when it comes to her care, okay. But she's not done. You know, just because, I mean, this is good that she's taken care of. But her role here is not just to let us see her and know that she's going to be taken care of. And, and what she has here is a huge role. A huge role. And it's the same role she played with Ben. Because she is here to push Karen, not in, not to push Karen into doing anything, but to help push Karen into accepting, that, you know what, it wasn't your fault. You know, there's a lot in the first half of this episode. There's a lot of blame game being played. Whose fault is it? And for our main trio, for Foggy, for Karen, for Matt. It's a lot of them blaming themselves. For Fisk, there's a lot of blaming other people for things. Rightfully so. I mean, they what he's blaming Owlsley for. Owlsley did. Um, but all of them. And, and then you also have, uh, Ellison, the editor, he's at the funeral. And when I first watched this, I remembered feeling like, oh, good grief. He's there. Of course he has to be there, but that jerk, you know, he's the reason your that fault Ben's dead. totally, totally. And he's standing next to that woman and I can't remember her name, but I didn't notice this the first time around because I didn't know she was someone to be looking for the first time around. But I'm positive the woman he was standing next to in at the funeral is the actual Fisk mole from within the newspaper. And they, I, I wrote her name down because they actually showed her next to her name, her name tag. 
when they're coming and they're arresting everybody. So while Ben's talking about that, let's talk a little bit more about Doris and Karen. I didn't write it down. So we spent a lot of time in the last few weeks really kind of pointing a finger at Karen and saying, Ben doesn't want to do this. This is something that he has given up on, and Karen's pushing him and continually dragging him back in. And then and Karen Dor- said the exact same thing. Yeah. Karen so, said so exactly what she's been listening what we to the thinking. show. Thank you. Thank you, Karen Page. Um, <laughs> Wait. Okay. <laughs> but uh, here, Doris is doing more than just letting her off the hook. We don't see we don't see a lot of that time with with Doris and Ben because it's all off screen. And I and even recently before I rewatched this, I thought to myself, how often does Ben actually go to his apartment where he was killed? You know, is he spending all of his evenings with her? And we find out that they did talk. They talked a lot. And he really shared what he was doing with her. He let her know this was the story. And he talked about Karen. He did. To the point where. You know, as Doris said, we never had children, but if we did, I'd like to think they would be like you. And it's because Doris knows Karen deeply through Ben. And it's again, it's that that need to bring forward truth and righteousness and fairness. And it's something that Ben clearly admired, and it's something that Doris admires. And and so Again, even though we've been pointing fingers here through Doris, we get to see Karen through a little bit of a a better shade, but a more all, positive shade. Yeah, because in her words, he thought you were something else, you know. But the other thing we hear is Ben didn't get pushed into stories. No, you he know, did not. He, she says specifically, and I don't know how much of a comfort this would be in that moment. Uh, in that moment where they're talking it might feel like it's just words. It might feel like she's just trying to comfort me, but she says he passed doing what he loved. I mean, he was chasing the story. He was chasing the truth. And for him, if you're going to go and it's going to be before your natural time, it's, it, it should be because you're, you're going to go doing good. You're going to go doing right. This was seeking the, thing the truth he needed to be doing. So Ben casts a shadow here, just the the same way that Elena uh, cast a shadow as well. And we're gonna they're gonna mention both of them later on, but they they both cast a shadow as far as pushing our team, our legal team, to continue and to continue. Um, going up against a guy who does something like this. <laughs> the next scene. And again, is, more blame. It's Foggy's fault that he didn't come. This is Matt and Karen talking. It's been, it's no, Matt's, no, it's my fault. It's my fault. Matt takes the blame for the whole thing with Foggy. And Karen says, everyone shares the blame in a relationship. And that's an interesting sentiment. And I, I think there's some truth there. You know, no one is 100% innocent. As we, you and I have learned in our relationship over the last two years, Ben. That's right. Because usually I can at least identify 1% of non-innocence on my side. Yeah. On, on your side, you know, it, it's much easier to identify the 99%. But Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. 
So Karen is still haunted, though. She's definitely haunted. And she is haunted by a few different things. One that she keeps quiet about. We know it's behind her voice. We know it's behind her her scared face. Uh, and that is that Kingpin will find out not just that she visited Kingpin's mother, but that she's responsible for what happened to Wesley. And then, we're not talking the Dread Pirate Roberts either. No, we are not. Although I do reference Princess Bride later on in my notes, Daniel. We so, are too much alike. We will get there. But uh, Matt promises they're all going to get what's coming to them. And in my notes for the first viewing, I wrote down only one hour. I'm trying to wrap my head around how are we going to get through all of this in one hour? Well, and maybe this is too early, but you brought it up. I, it's one hour. It When you talk about pacing, it really feels the last two, three episodes that we weren't coming to a conclusion. In many ways, because we're getting this good, rich, thematic material. And now, because it's the 13th episode, it's like the last act of a comic book. We have to rush through it after we've gotten all this great stuff in order to get to a conclusion. But I do not feel like we're rushing through it. I totally feel like we're rushing through it. And I feel like the next scene is further proof that we're rushing through it. Okay, well, the next scene, the next segment, we've got Vanessa and Fisk. And Fisk is mentioning problems with the numbers. He had Wesley uh, transfer some funds and they are looking at, you know, and, and they found a discrepancy somewhere in the numbers. And so he then goes and he visits with Owsley and they're talking through you know, the mundane stuff that they need to get through. Properties and zoning have been taken care of. Senator Cherry made everything okay. Madam Gao wasn't the ally we thought she was. But then Fisk brings up the money. And who's the money man? Owsley. Owsley. And Owsley starts shaking as they're talking. And he is visibly, visibly shaken. He's also, he says he's cold. And Fisk notes that he's also sweating. And this is where Fisk realizes. Okay. Owsley has, is actually the guy who was taking money away and, and doing things with it that, that are not in Fisk's best interest. They're in his own, Owl's his own best interest. And then he realizes that Owlsley and Gal were behind the, the benefit. But because killings. he tells him, well, no, it happened. He realizes it first. He realizes it. And then that's when I well, no, like, what he, what he looks at it. He's like, you tried to kill me. He's like, no, we weren't trying to kill you. It was her. Yeah. But, and, and so when we talk about the pacing, I really wish we'd had time for Wilson to really kind of maybe find some evidence, be able to build his case. But really, when we look at this scene, we have Leland being like, what? I'm sweating. I'm suspicious. Try to kill you? No, never. It was her. It It's just no, it's a no, little no. too brisk for me. It's it's perfect for me. Here Here's where he says, well, you know what? You're going to find out anyway. Here's the deal. <laughs> I am stealing money from you. I tried to kill one of two people in this world you actually care about. Or one of three people, I guess. Uh, I didn't try and kill one of the other people. And your mom, she's safe. I, I would never do anything to hurt her. But I did try and kill that woman. And can you and, blame me? 
And Kingpin, you are going to, you think you can get away with this? And yeah, that's exactly what I think. And this is where, this is why. He can put it all out on the table because he holds all the cards, or so he thinks he does. Owlsley says, I've got Hoffman. He's squirreled away somewhere. And if I don't check in, he's going to be released to the feds. And he's going to talk. And there's $10 million coming his way. And he'll be put in witness protection. And, you know, you'll obviously kill him before any of that witness protection stuff happens. But he will bring you down before you kill him. And so he is pulling out the only leverage he has. He realizes this is it. This is the time. I'm going to, you know, basically say I've got all of the power here. I am holding power over you. And Kingpin attacks him. He tases Kingpin. Brisk pace. This is brisk. What would would have been nice is maybe we have an episode where these two are strategically challenging each other. But that's not what the series is about. But instead, Kingpin – well, no, it's not. Kingpin has been slowly (laughs) removing enemies the entire series. I mean, he gives entire episode. When you look at the original people who are meeting in the parking garage, we give entire episodes or two episodes to eliminating them from the from the inner circle. Owsley gets pushed around, shoved down an elevator shaft. Okay, I'm the murder right the murder is quick, but this has been Boba building Fett. up for episodes. He got Boba Fetted. He who? Boba Fetted. Boba. Yeah. Oh, what are you going to say, Boba? <laughs> it's Boba. He got Boba fetted. Too quick. Too quick. Is that like Django's nephew or something? Oh, don't even. No, you don't even. No, listen. Too I'm, quick. I, I completely disagree with you about the pacing here. I feel like it's meant to be quick. It's shocking. It happens very quickly. And it's Kingpin impulsively deciding, you know what? I don't care what you just said. I'm going to kill you. And now I'm going to turn around and tell my men to find Hoffman. Forget about it, man. You're You're dead. You should not have done what you did. You hurt Vanessa. The pacing is, yeah, it's a quick murder, but it's been building because up you since. you have to get done with this main arc now. Maybe so, but it doesn't, for me, anyway. You can't tell me if they weren't given two more episodes. They couldn't have made you even more satisfied. I don't know, Daniel. I don't know. Secret Wars is getting an extra issue, buddy. Extra I... issue. To avoid this problem right here. This is not a problem. See, that's the, that's the thing. I don't see this as a problem. Oh, old Ben did. Old Ben did. Well, no, old Ben didn't see the pacing as a problem. He saw this as rote. He yeah, saw this it as rote cliche. because it had to get done. No, no, no. It's not rote because it had to get done. It was rote because done. it was all cliche. And I didn't even mention Owlsley's work. Ben. Don't pick at cliches. No. Well, that was past Ben picking at cliches. I might like him more right at the moment. Me well, and past Ben, we're going to go down and cross stitch together. Maybe make some baskets. We're going to hang out. Me and that old Ben. Well, it's quite possible that old Ben might throw you down an elevator shaft because he doesn't think that this is paced poorly. I think this is well paced because what happening is, like I said, quick murder, impulsive decision. And now what do we have? Well, I mean, this is all set up. This is all payoff to everything that's been set up for the last number of episodes. So we move now to Foggy. This is where I would agree with you on pacing. All right. 
this is where I would agree with you on pacing because we move to the boxing ring and Foggy shows up. Matt's hitting the bag. He's hitting, hitting, hitting. And Foggy comes in and they have a conversation. And by the end of the conversation, they don't say that everything's okay. And once or twice, they actually say, well, things are getting better. But that's lip service. Things are fine. By the end of this conversation, they're back to normal. And Foggy is fully on Matt's side. And that's quick pace. That, That happened too quickly for me. Too quick. But it's also welcome. This is what I've wanted to happen. I got nothing, man. You know, you you were speaking the truth. So together, <laughs> they then go to the police and their buddy, Brett, or at least Foggy's buddy, I should say. Well, let's forget Foggy has got, Foggy has got a gift. And what's that? He's got some files from his old girlfriend that she's illegally copied and given to him. That's true. That's true. Because she's realized, you know what? I can't be caught in this because if I don't do good here, um, I could be implicated. But they go to Brett. Brett, I thought his name was Kerry Mahoney. I thought it was Brett. I don't know. I mean, oh, if man. I know an Officer Mahoney, it's definitely Officer Kerry Mahoney. I don't know who Officer Kerry Mahoney is. Oh, you do. You know do him I? by face. Don't be giving Steve Gutenberg bad vibes, buddy. <laughs> because when I realized that Officer Brent Mahoney was Officer Mahoney, it's now permanently stuck in my head. Oh, no. I just, I want, I want Tackleberry to show up. I want him to have a wise, cracking, sidekick, sound machine man. <sighs> All the jokes that could have occurred throughout Daredevil that never did. Officer Mahoney. So sorry. <laughs> Where's Bobcat Goldthwait when you need him? Just saying. Well, Brett, anyway, they go to him and he. That didn't hurt. He uh, really reveals there's no prince at Ben's murder scene. No prince at all. Not even his own. Like they have cleaned this place so clean that it doesn't even look like Ben has been in his apartment. And Foggy's looking for a reference for a new cleaning crew. So he's like, hey, really? <laughs> And he's really doesn't want to help. And he references a movie I've referenced, uh, Serpico, which I actually, one of the reasons I, why I watched it was when I first started watching this, I was like, oh, this is like 70s cop stuff, you know? And so I, I actually got Serpico, watched it, um, you know, and it's, it's that 70s grit, but it also has like all of the, all the intrigue and all of the, um, you know, the, the corrupt cops and, and it's the reference here is honest cops. If you, if you watch Serpico, you know, honest cops are usually the first ones to get shot in the face. And there's another uh, connection between Serpico and what we're talking about here, because they're talking about a guy named Hoffman, right? And what's yes, he is. Yeah. And Hoffman is shares a name with the actor Dustin. Hoffman, who is not in Serpico or Police Academy or Police Academy. However, he is the guy I always think is in Serpico. It's Al Pacino. And for some reason, I I can't tell them apart. 
I, I always get them mixed up. I do not know why, but yeah. So I, I, I actually, the first time I'm watching, I'm like Hoffman, Serpico, Connection. Oh, <laughs> so yeah. But anyway, yeah. they're finding Enjoy. out about Hoffman. How do they find out about Hoffman? Because of super hearing. Two police officers walk by. Brett feels very uncomfortable because he's being seen with the bad guys. He's being seen with lawyers. The good guys are the bad guys. Yeah. He's being seen with lawyers. And as these cops walk by, you're, you're like, oh, whew. they're just walking by and, and Sergeant needs to see him or something like that. But no, they're trying to break up the conversation. Let's be honest. But after they walk by, they continue their conversation on their cell phone. And this is where Matt finds out that this guy Hoffman is out there and they need to find, they want to find Hoffman. Uh, the cops do. And so therefore Matt and foggy need to find Hoffman. So now we go to the table. Now we go to that scene that we would, you know, see so often if this was that eighties or early nineties, uh, legal drama with a superhero. ladies and gentlemen, I give you LA law. Yeah. If this was Daredevil's L.A. Law. They're not as well-dressed as in L.A. Law. No, and and they would would be dressed sharper, and they'd have, you know, a a nicer office, probably. You know, in the days of these sorts of shows, why don't we just get a reboot of L.A. Law? Just make a new lawyer show, make it hip, make it cool, and just call it L.A. Law. Why doesn't that happen? I don't know. I don't care. (laughs) I'm not interested in L.A. Law at all. But I am interested in our team here. And this is where Karen, you know, this is here we are, you know, and and you see that Karen, she just wants a place to belong. And this is her place. And now her two friends who she's grown to be very fond of and very close to are back. And this is where Matt says it's a start. It's a start. Okay. Good. I'm, I'm glad they're at least paying lip service to the fact that relationships don't heal as quickly as they do in, say, a television sitcom. But um, you also get some moments where Matt and Foggy, you know, they stumble over lying to Karen when she's like, well, where did you get this information? Well, uh, we, we uh, the guy, the man in the mask. Yeah. Uh, over in that alley, you know, and that to me is more evidence than just saying, ah, we're friends again is seeing it and, and it's visible and again, quick, but welcome. And then Karen figures out, Oh, well, there's this building here that has been, you know, they, they transferred it, but they didn't show any money for it. And so maybe they're trying to hide it that they own it, hide the fact that they own it from someone. And then Matt knows that's where Hoffman is. That's where Hoffman is. Unfortunately, Fisk has also found Hoffman. Which we really don't know how. Well, wait, 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 wait. He has how many cops on his payroll to go out and just find out information. Someone's got to have heard something. So maybe, you know, now that he knows Hoffman is out there, and so he sets the team on it, because that's what he says. He's send in the team. No survivors. So we're going to move into another scene now, Daniel. A scene I can totally imagine that you have problems with the pacing of. 
but I think is wonderful. And that is where they're keeping Hoffman. First of all, they bring him a meatball sub. I'm just thinking to myself, how can that guy eat a meatball sub when a meatball sub is the exact thing he used to carry in the needle that he was planning to use to kill his best I was thinking, friend? Is, is there a gun in there? Yeah, this is... There's oh. got to be some sort of weapon of death. I don't know. Could you eat one after, you know, killing no. your friend with one? No. 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 Nope. I, I, I think even if I was evil, <laughs> I would probably... Be like, oh, yeah, that meatball sub kind of reminds me of something that I'd rather not think about right now. But they bring him a meatball sub. And then you have bad guys coming in and killing bad guys. And then they're going to kill And it's artistically done. Oh, it is. It is. I mean, A, these two cops, they take out a lot of guys. Now, yeah, surprise is on their side. But they take out an insane number of guys for basically having revolvers. You got to admit that. No, they do. They do well. They do well. Yeah. I, I mean, these guys are not stormtroopers. They don't do well enough, but they do fine. But you do really have to like, you know, Hoffman's closing his eyes, expecting that killing shot. And then you hear the shooting and banging. Everything and is just happening waiting. off screen. And his eyes are closed and we don't see what is happening until he opens his eyes. And but we, we do see... know he's not dead. Right. Right. And so, so we realize, okay, these shots are, <laughs> he's obviously not, all of those bullets are not going into him. When he opens his eyes, we see the final kick, which is a pretty sweet kick that Daredevil gives to one of those cops that was you know, one of the bad. Well, I don't know. Maybe they're they're the team. They might not actually be cops, but oh, man, what a again, artfully done, artfully done. And, you know, I was expecting you to have problems with the pacing here, but. I guess you're on my side with this again. And maybe, maybe six guys should have been here instead of two guys. You know, maybe that is my one issue. But again, I do think it's very artistically and we're very well done when Hoffman shuts his eyes and we're expecting, and he's expecting that shot. Yeah. Yeah. And then to have the sounds, a brilliant use of sounds to convey what's occurring. I liked it. I liked it a lot. And then we move into another scene that I liked a lot. Hoffman giving his statement. He goes in. He says he'd like to give a statement. He's already got lawyers. Isn't that convenient? He is lawyered up with lawyers who are our team. I mean, they, but Daredevil set it up. You know, he said, hey, you go and see Sergeant Mahoney. And then... You know, he will connect you with good lawyers. I am going to follow you and make sure you actually go there. If you go off track, I, I'm first of all, I'll make sure no one kills you. But if you go off track, you know, there's going to be trouble with me. And so we move to the police. Where he is giving a statement to, well, actually not the police, the feds, right? Mm-hmm. It is the FBI. Remember, the police are on the payroll. The FBI is not mostly. It's a little bit like Hydra. I, I this time I didn't know. I didn't really write it down the first time. I can't remember if I actually thought about this or not. But the second time watching it, I was reminded of Winter Soldier, where it's just oh, another Hydra, you know, and they aren't saying hail Hydra. They're they're saying, you know, 
show me the money. <laughs> but they, you know, they're kind of get well, and so now they get all getting caught. And opera is playing. I'm having flashbacks to again some of those kind of 70s ish um, cop cop movies. And but but again, very well done again with the music overlay. Us not really hearing these guys as they're getting nabbed by the FBI. You know, we we see Turk. We see right? well, not just Turk. We see levels. You yes. know what I mean. We've got the Turk level, which we, you know, your street thug. And then we the, see police. Yeah. You know, so guys on the payroll, nor, you know, white, you know, blue collar guys on the payroll who've gone crooked. And you get a senator. Well, we, so you skip some lawyer. spots, though. So, so you, you're you, getting, you, you're, you are going, you're moving up the chain. You've got the crooks, you've got the corrupt cops, you've got the um, newspaper people the, that are on the yeah. payroll. Then you got the lawyers. And then you Which got gives Senator our, Sherry. Does give us a moment where the editor is no longer someone we're completely angry with. Yeah, I was really surprised by that. And he he's feeling like, oh, he got jobbed. Oh, he's feeling horrible. He's feeling horrible because I think he's realizing all that stuff, you know. It was true. Yeah. It was true. So, yeah, so it's not Ellison. And then uh, Marcy, we get to see Marcy watch them take down some, you know, some lawyer guy. And And it was a layman or Zach. (laughs) And then you have Senator Cherry. But again, it's not it's layers of power, social economic layers within the organization. You really see the FBI cutting through. and, and, And again, I've complained about pacing. This pacing actually feels good to me. Because in a again an artistic manner, we're showing this organization dissolving in a way that tells me this is going on in multiple places at multiple levels, and Wilson's empire is dissolving around him to the point that when we do see Wilson and we really do get word said, you know, when he says they're coming for me, we know it because we've seen it. His political power is. Gone. I mean, you say his empire is crumbling. Those, what, three, four minutes, maybe, of opera and just silence. It's, 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 it's everything coming down. And this is, you know, he is now in his worst spot. Um, this is, but, but I will say, uh, pacing wise, if Turk was yelling out stuff, and then the lawyer was yelling out stuff and the police were yelling out stuff and we had a lot of dialogue in these scenes, I think it would have felt like it was too brisk. It would have felt like boom, 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 boom. And this is coming from a guy who spent the weekend watching Star Wars and Empire Strikes Back, which are super brisk. Well, Um, I wrote down, I love this. This scene is brilliant. It is wonderful. And I don't know. I mean, up until this point, I don't know what I was talking about when I called in and was saying this was rote other than, you know, maybe I was just reacting to the final 15 minutes of this episode, but all leading up to this point, then when they're coming for Fisk and what is not rote about them coming for Fisk and taking him away, he's proposing to Vanessa. It seems he's proposing to Vanessa before he's taken away. No, I think it's awesome. I think it's awesome. This is a love story, Daniel. The romance of Kingpin. 
this is all leading up to this point. This is Kingpin coming to a couple realizations. One, I have to get rid of Vanessa, but I can't lose Vanessa. And the other well, and, thing is I am not the hero of this. And story. Vanessa is becoming increasingly gray because she is. She's he's admitting they're coming for me. It's, it's you can't stop it. I've done these things. But and I need you to do something. She's not running away. She's not screaming. She's not rejecting him. I mean, she's crying because Wilson is going away. Yeah, no, this is. It, again, I'm, 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 I'm probably overselling it, but I don't think so. This is great stuff. Great stuff. And from there, we go back around to the table. We go back around the table and we have our team. You know, this is what's important is this right here. Us around this table. This is where they acknowledge Elena. They acknowledge Ben. They give props to Marcy even. And they're celebrating. And- and in many ways, you could have ended this series right here. In a lot of ways, the series would have ended here if this, again, if it, if we were back in the 90s and we had gotten that Daredevil spinoff of The Incredible Hulk that would give us a, um, a Bill Bixby uh, cameo every, every season. Um, yeah, this would be where it ends. This would be where it ends. You might get a little stinger, you know, to realize, oh, but Kingpin still might escape from jail. But it's not done because we haven't gotten a complete catharsis. We haven't gotten the things we are waiting for. We're getting the beginnings of justice for this man, but we haven't gotten a con- the, the resolution to the conflict between Matt Murdock and Wilson Fisk. Well, you could argue you've got the resolution between Matt Murdock and Wilson Fisk. I think you might be not be able to argue that you have a resolution between Daredevil and Kingpin. Maybe. But because Matt Murdock, again, he's been pushing for this legal solution the whole time. And now Foggy's added into this and, and Karen is trying to find the legal solution and they found a way to bring Marcy in. And so the legal solution has occurred and it has discredited Kingpin, the legal solution. Again, when the legal Kingpin solution taken, rocked down the empire. When you look at when you look at him going away and you've got TMZ and all the reporters outside, one of the reporters makes this comment about what about your better tomorrow? And at that moment, it's like, it's gone. Everything is discredited for Wilson Fisk. Now, you could still argue Kingpin still has to be resolved. But Wilson Fisk is done. And it's because of the legal wranglings. But he's not completely done. The Empire is done. But Wilson Fisk himself, he still had that one person on the outside. He said, I need you to do something. And I believe that what he needed her to do, well, set up an ambush so I can get <laughs> rescued. You know, I hadn't thought about the fact that she called the man who set this all up. So this is where he's riding along and there's there's all of the, you know, all of the police escort, the FBI and everything. But then they get caught in a, a trap. I would uh, like... To give you an Emmy Award winning speech and moment <laughs> that will be completely ignored. Hey, shut up. 
no, no, it's okay. It doesn't matter anyway because he's not going to get nominated. Uh, it is the guy who was sitting on that side who, who said, yeah, it doesn't matter anyway. Nothing he says matters. He actually was on He was on the, the payroll. He's Hydra. To the, to the point that when he leaves, it's not like he's hiding his face when he leaves the truck. No, no. And he, he's a clear part of this fire team. He just walks right out. And so the firefight begins, and this is where, oh, here we are sitting at our table celebrating, and now, look, we should have never celebrated. Uh, you know, Karen actually says we're idiots for celebrating, and this is, you know, Foggy says, well, we got to get home before they shut down all the roads. So Foggy is going to take Karen home, and Matt's going to take his own taxi. And uh, the, the uh, taxi driver says, where are you headed? But this is, you know, Foggy says, you can't do this. And Matt See, says, I have to. I have to. You have to trust me. I know I haven't earned it, but you have to trust me, Foggy. I have to do this. See, you've rushed too fast for me because, again, back of that truck, Wilson has come to the full realization. He is the villain. He's the villain. Is yeah. he sat in the back of that truck? No, he, and that's where he does. He gives the speech. Yeah. He uh, gives... His villains wonderful journey villains uh, villains interpretation of the the parable of the good Samaritan from the uh, from the New Testament. <laughs> uh, it's wonderful. It's wonderful because he's taking that story and he's saying, you know, here's what I used to think. I used to think I was the Samaritan, the hated man who came and was trying to help. But no, no, I'm the guys who beat up the guy who was laying on the side of the road. <laughs> I'm those guys. I am the ill intent who set upon a traveler on a road he should not have been on. And then that's where, you know, cue the, cue the, the gunshots. I wrote down, because I'm reminded of Hydra, but he's escaping from the FBI, but I wrote down, and this is on my first viewing, much harder than Ward. <laughs> This escape was earned much, much, much better than Ward's escape. Um, well, we can't have everything in, on agents. But again, I just want to make sure we lingered for a moment there and recognized Fisk uh, is now Kingpin. Yeah. He is the villain. And, and this is where he is no longer uh, deluding himself. It, it, it may have been true at one point that he was trying to help the city. But this is where he realizes, I don't want to help the city. I don't care about the city. He says later on. Yeah, he'll say know, it. They deserve people like you, Daredevil, and my father. <laughs> yeah. He And he says, you know, I want the city to drown in its own filth. And again, he's not saying it's because, you know, <laughs> you're evil people. He's saying it's because you're stupid, crass mean people because let's be blunt daredevil hits things yeah. he's violent this city deserves violent people so speaking of violence daredevil needs a better costume in order to do violence better it's not fully done buddy well it'll do it'll do just fine he goes to see melvin and he gets his costume you know we know what he's looking at when he opens that thing we know uh, or not looking at, but you, we know what he's sonar sensing right now. Melvin brings up the promise again. 
for Betsy to make sure that Kingpin will not hurt Betsy. And Matt says, I made you. At least this time he says he'll do his best instead of promising it full out. No, he does. He said, I made you a promise. He's, but he basically says, I'm going to do the best to fulfill it versus like, it's totally going to happen, Melvin. So then we move to um, <laughs> Matt Murdock on a roof, listening. Listening for a truck. And uh, Fist oh, switch God. trucks. You know, they they pull in and it's nighttime and, you know, it's, there's this, all the trucks there and he, he moves to the back of a different truck. Yeah, because there's no satellites to keep eyes on where that truck went and what trucks left that building afterwards. <laughs> well, you know, maybe there is, maybe there, there is. There was a threat. If you watched us, we were going to shoot people. Maybe there is, maybe there isn't. Are there no heroes in New York City? Well, there is one who's listening. I mean, maybe there is, maybe there isn't with the satellite, but there's definitely radar or radar enhanced senses. But this is, I, I, the hearing thing is the one thing that bothers me about Daredevil's powers. And it's that he's able to take in so much noise from such a big radius. I can accept actually the big radius of noise he can take in. I just have a hard time accepting he's able to filter through all of that to hear a radio conversation from the back of a truck. But if he didn't, we wouldn't get the next scene, which is the final fight. Brute versus Ninja or Fezzik versus the Dread Pirate Roberts. Because <laughs> I did have some flashbacks to that gentle giant fighting the man in black in, in Princess Bride. They fight. It's brutal. It's as brutal as you would expect from our show here. And, you know, in some ways, this is where, this is where I said, wrote, it's wrote, you know, it's all leading up to this fist fight between the two. But I'm watching it the second time and I'm like, this is exactly what I want. I want a fist fight for the city. And this fist fight is two men in an alley. They're fighting for the city. Well, that's where it should be. They're fighting in the city. You know, it's like perfect. It is perfect. And you get weapons, you get a little bit of a sword fight in there with, um, you know, he has a daredevil has a stick and Fisk takes a piece of rebar or whatever it's called. And, it ends with a great big giant Superman leap in the air punch. And how could it not end with a punch? Well, it has to, because it's daredevil. Exactly. It's, 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 well, it's physical, but it's also the boxing element. And we have some great, you know, we, we get some great Bane moves in here as he raises him above his head. Mm -hmm. You know, we get great Batman ripoffs as people disappear throughout this entire episode. I mean, Great ripoffs of Batman. No, this is this is exactly the thing, exactly the moment that we've been leading up to, of these two men just beating each other, and then you know Daredevil's going to win. We know he's going to win, and I'm okay with that. And apparently, I wasn't okay with that, but now I am. <laughs> I am fine because this is. It's the what we've been waiting for. Now, is that 
what does that say? You know, that we've been waiting for this moment of intense violence. That does say something. It says you're a violent person, Ben. But this is what this is what we've been waiting for. I mean, I I I, I feel like this is the thing that this the series has been leading up to. They did the legal thing, and now Daredevil fights, wins, puts down Fisk. Who's going to arrive but Brett? And he says, you know, this man was a fugitive from the law and I stopped him. We good? Which feels I'm not like the bad guy. It feels almost like a Steve Rogers line. Well, and again, please notice he's delivering him to the last good cop in New York City. Yep. And but he's again delivering him. He's not killing him. He's stopping him. He's making sure he's not going to escape justice. Now, we'll find out that he will escape justice probably in the next season, but no, I not necessarily. I think he's going to escape. One way or another, he'll go to trial, but they they may not even finish the trial. Or there'll be a technicality. I mean, he's he's going to get out of it so he can be uh, maybe uh, but he's going to get out so he can be an antagonist or an anti-protagonist. But yeah, he wins. He he finally someone is able to not just take down Kingpin's empire, but take him down physically. And Vanessa, then she must leave. And in my notes, I wrote "not dead." Vanessa, the first time I I watched. So she has to go, but before she does, she puts on the ring. And we have three more scenes here, Daniel. We have the the sign going up for Karen, Foggy, and Matt. The Nelson and Murdoch sign. They put it up on the outside of the building. And we find out that uh, he now has the name Daredevil given to him by the press or possibly by Brett talking to the press. But this is where, I mean, this is where we're wrapping everything up with a nice, neat bow. Eh, wrapping everything up, we're getting ready for season two. Well, that too. That I too. mean, as you point out, we've got the name now. We've already been told, wink, wink, it could take a year, wink, wink, for this case to even get to trial, which almost tells us that in real time, it's a year. You know, I should say in MCU time, it'll be a year between seasons. Wink, wink. Yeah, and I'm curious. I mean, they're definitely setting up some season two type things. We're reminded that Karen's got a dark past. Yes. And that Matt's a little sweet on her, grabbing the hand. And we find out that Foggy thinks it's a stupid name because he expects him to jump Snake Canyon Mountain on or Snake Canyon on a motorcycle. And Foggy's okay. He is. Because he's got Marcy. Kind of. Well, something's happening with her. He doesn't know what. Right, right. But this is something. She's better than she was. (laughs) The final statement, basically, from the series is Matt saying, all we can do is move forward. Which, there's some legitimacy to that advice. All we can do is move forward. Can't go back and change things, but you can continue moving forward. And then we go to Fisk in prison. Staring at the wall, and I'm expecting there to be a Hydra visit, because most of our guys, when they end up in prison, 
You know, someone from Haida gives him a visit. No, no, this is nicely done. No, 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 no. He's staring at the wall. It's rabbit in a snowstorm. Yeah, yeah, but you're just yeah. skipping over my Hydra joke. Yeah, I totally skipped over your Hydra joke. Hydra's not here. Yeah, There's no Angie. Yeah. Angie's not here. Well, Angie's dead. Because this is 2015. Okay, you were totally... Peggy's alive. Why can't Angie be alive? Well, I'll tell you why. Hard living, my friend. Hard living. I don't even know what that means. Anyway. Uh, yeah, but no, I mean, we're, is, we're getting set up for season two. We are, but you're right. I mean, the, the rabbit in a snowstorm thing is wonderfully executed. It's done, you know, it's, it's not even a, you know, they don't even try and hide it. You know, they want you to know. He's staring at this wall in rage, but it's his wall. It's that wall. It's that, I mean, and that wall was his prison in some ways, you know, a, kind of a psychological prison for him. Well, and he's never left it. And then we get the final shot. We get, it's just an, Batman. I, an iconic daredevil leap in the air, sticks in hand. You know, that nice silhouette. It happens so quickly. <laughs> I almost Music wish it's just a little too much. A little I, too much. I don't know about that, but a little I, overdone. I feel like I, what I'm about to say right now would be more than a little overdone, but almost would have been nice to have a freeze frame right there, you know, or slow motion, you know, a matrix slow motion thing where he jumps and it's fast and then he slows down just for a few beats so we can see him. But there, Therein lies one of the last problems I have with this episode. His final costume. I'm not a big fan. Not a big fan. It's okay. It's real world. And unlike some Batman costumes, he can actually turn his head. So that's good. But. It just, I don't know. In some ways, it reminds me of like the thing that a guy in the real world would wear when he goes out to try and be a, a, a costume mask vigilante. But minor quibble because it's a wonderful shot at the end there. And any complaints that I have, you know, we do, we, we, we find things and sometimes we pick nits here and sometimes we do kind of dig in a little deeper and, and sometimes we do complain about things that we wouldn't have otherwise if we weren't doing, you know, full hour and a half long discussions about things. Um, all of this, any quibbles I have here, well, I'm not going to give anything away for my final verdict. So I'll, I'll stop right there at that moment. All right. Let's go ahead and just we, leave it there. Let it let it settle. Let's let it settle. Uh, any other things you'd like to bring up? Uh, again, I I feel like we're racing to a conclusion because we have to, not because it, it always felt the most natural to me. And I know you disagree with me, but again, I, this is a problem I have with some very good comic book stories too. At a certain point, you know your issues are going to end. You got to finish the arc. We're finishing the arc, and because of that, it feels a little prematurely finished to me. But was it satisfying? Well. That seems to me that we'll talk about it later. Okay. Well, should we move on to final, uh, witness testimony before we move on to the final verdict then? Let's do it. We do have some witness testimony. 
to hear and to read. So, witness testimony. All right, let me get up my email here, and I also have a message. Uh, now, this message that we have that I'm going to play right now is actually, I think, about the uh, Jessica Jones teaser that you and I talked about briefly. And are you, you ready to hear it? I'm ready to hear it. Let's start with that. Hey, guys. I think you're actually um, underselling the Jessica Jones trailer quite a bit. I saw a lot of symbolism in there. Um, I think it did more than just uh, tell us about the date for this particular show. I think it actually told us quite a bit about the type of show we're actually going to see. Um, there's a lot of things. Um, just, the, just the fact that there was a whispering name, um, somebody whispering, Jessica, Jessica, Jessica. That's, you know, allusions to the purple man and his powers. That was the shards of broken glass. That's her broken psyche. Um, just kind of the whole way the whole thing was kind of psychedelic to it. Um, I think that, you know, they're really going to be focusing on that. The fact that she's carrying a lot of trauma and a lot of baggage with her. I think all the symbolism that we saw in there, I think they told us a lot about that episode without using, or a lot about that show without using any words at all or very few words. I think that that's going to be, I think we're going to see a lot of big themes in that a lot of emotional stress, a lot of personal trauma and how you deal with those types of things. And then obviously with Purple Man screwing with her head, um, I think we're going to see a lot of that, a lot of her trying to get back to, you know, a good place for her. And that's obviously, you know, her storyline in the comics anyways, is her dealing with her emotional struggles. So I think that, that they showed us a lot in that, in that little teaser trailer. Um, I think that they set that tone for, for that show very, very well. Um, but always, uh, like what you guys said, always interested in you guys' opinions. So, all right. Good job as always, guys. I'll talk to you later. Agent Doug out. So, yeah, thanks, uh, Agent Doug. And I guess I would say I feel like I, I haven't read the entire Alias series, so I know vague things about what Purple Man did and how he ties into her story and that kind of thing. However, okay, so I can't see the symbolism. I see tone. And I maybe we did undersell it, but to me, it really was. The most important thing was we got that date. We got that date. So, And I think that was a good teaser trailer for Jessica Jones with Agent Doug and TBD on the Welcome to Level 7 Network. What? He seems passionate. No. He's passionate about this shit. I think we've got a Jessica Jones fan there with Agent Doug. I know. that. I know. I, I kid. But, I mean, it's good to see that there are folks out there that are excited about Jessica Jones when, again, you and I are both trying to figure out how we're going to get some copies of Alias in our hands before we have to begin to discuss Jessica Jones. Um, because again, I'm missing the symbolism because it's against content I'm not used to. And sadly, a lot of the content that I've read that's beyond Bendis, because I did think, uh, AKA Jessica Jones was pretty good. Um, but a lot of the stuff that I've read with her in the Avengers is, but Luke, what about the baby? I mean, that is pretty sad to say, but it's also true. Uh, so back to Daredevil then, uh, agent Evans sent us an email. And I'll go ahead and read that one. Uh, the subject line is Daredevil, episode 13, Daredevil. <laughs> and he writes, 
quite the finale. I absolutely love the operatic arrest montage. Such a satisfying conclusion to all the drama, masterfully shot, brilliantly timed, and acted. The musical choice was perfect. I'm going to use the word finally a lot. In this episode, Fisk and Murdoch seem to finally emerge from their cocoons and transform into their full-fledged comic book incarnations. When Fisk emerged from the armored car, strutting down the street, surrounded by armored guards wielding automatic weapons, it looked and felt like the Kingpin. Finally. And now, finally, we have Daredevil. The costume is absolutely spot on. They MCU'd it perfectly and with a very reasonable explanation of how he had obtained it. I love the little nods to the comics, Daredevil ricocheting his batons off other objects like Captain America and his final mid-air pose just before the end credits. Marvel does such an excellent job transitioning their heroes to screen. Not only do they capture the visual, but they pay homage, but they pay homage to the source material and keep the ethos of the character right where it needs to be. I'm curious to know what you guys thought of the final fight scene. It was definitely a fitting end to Daredevil's and Fisk's relationship for the show. It felt lacking somehow, though, as this was only the second time Fisk and Daredevil met face-to-face. Third, if you count Murdoch meeting him in the art gallery. Even though the ripples of their actions have touched each other throughout the series, I still felt a twinge of disconnectedness to the emotion of the scene just due to the lack of personal touch points between the two characters. Of course, now, moving forward in the MCU... There will be a very personal connection between the two characters, which will deepen their rivalry and make for a much better drama in the future. As for the fight itself, the choreography was good, and like I said, it was a fitting end. I may be wrong, but I just remember the end fight to the Ben Affleck movie being a lot more epic. I haven't seen it in probably a decade, but maybe I'll go back and watch it. What are your thoughts? How would you compare the two fights, both physically and emotionally? All in all, though, a very satisfying end of the series, and in my opinion, the best depiction of Daredevil for the screen yet produced by mankind. Agent Evan, over and out. <laughs> well, well, that Aflac finale incurs in more than just an alley. <laughs> I, I'm try- the only thing I remember about the Daredevil Aflac finale was, uh, spoilers, him like breaking Kingpin's knees. Like he's not, he doesn't kill Kingpin. He incapacitates him, breaks his but, knees and ends up leaving him there for law enforcement or something like that. But scale wise, it's scale wise. Yeah, it's a bigger fight. It's a, a theoretical scale fight. You know, it's a live action movie. It's a big budget. Well, yeah. this one's a little bit smaller, you know, back I, lot. All I that could just show. don't remember it. This one, the smallness of it for me is actually part of the what makes it work is two guys on the street just duking it out the better man physically one way or the other will win and might makes right in that it's just it's just two guys so basically what agent evan is saying to me is in one of my two missing episodes from this season one of them would be adding another personal touch point between daredevil and kingpin so that this fight is even more dramatic so agent evan proves me right again thank you evan well let's find out what agent nate had to say you want to read that one oh man hello agents ben and daniel I'm glad to hear that not only was my lost feedback messages rescued from Dr. Doom's hoodie factory, but so were many others. I was starting to think you two were making quite a few high-profile enemies, having already had the podcast sabotaged by Hydra, now Doom. He must have been upset with your review of the new FF movie. 
I'm happy to hear my message has made a huge contribution to the show by allowing many other listeners to have their thoughts uh, when they seem to be lost. Anyway, on to Daredevil. I said I'd write again when you got to another one of my favorite episodes, and this finale is definitely one of them. It's an incredible showcase of pacing. Everything comes to fruition, but it's done in perfect timing. I remember when I watched this six months ago, how pumped I was. I could sense the coming clash between Kingpin and Daredevil. But along the way, many other things, even stuff like DD's new armored costume had to be paid off. Speaking of which, I love the suspense with the costumes reveal. We see Matt go to Gladiator for the suit, but he's only but he says it's only ready but he only says it's ready we we see matt later obviously wearing the costume but he's silhouetted so we see his face it's not until he drops down to confront fist that we finally see it and it's a fist pumping moment i had to contain myself when i watched it i've heard a few people complain about the costume saying that the 2003 movie version looked better Personally, I disagree, much like with the Christopher Nolan bat suits. It strikes a balance between practicality, body armor, and coolness. Matt telling Gladiator, make me a symbol. The black highlights and muted reds help to make it easier to hide in the shadows while also hearkening back to an armored costume DD worn in the 90s. So I love it. Going back to pacing, the climatic fight between Daredevil and Fist breaks as one of the best in the MCU. Ironically, pardon the pun, it's even smaller than the climax of Ant-Man. It's just two men fighting in an alley. No exploding buildings, no alien invaders, no falling spaceships. Yet it still feels just as epic because it earned that right with all the emotional buildup that's been going on for the previous 12 episodes and then some. It was a deeply personal fight, one of ideas and philosophies, and not just a physical battle. It was quite satisfying. The episode also features one of my favorite Fist moments. But he's in the police van talking with the SWAT members and starts recounting the story of the Good Samaritan. I kept wondering, where was he going with it? But when he ended the story by saying, I am the ill intent, it sent chills down my spine. I wasn't expecting such an answer. I thought he would say he was the robber who beat the man. I didn't expect him to get metaphysical like that. But that voice tone, terrifying. I knew at that moment that Fisk had made his choice and he had chose the darkness. I knew it was coming, but man, it was compelling. D'Afrio should be nominated for an Emmy. All right, those are my thoughts on the Superb series. On to season three, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Make mine marble. In Agent 8, a.k.a. the guy who shut down Doom's hoodie fa- factory. Here's the thing, buddy. That right there is a well-reasoned attack against me. Yeah, yeah. It also is interesting because it's counterpoint to Evan and, and what he was saying about the... I mean, almost exactly the opposite. Uh, and this is why I love the community. We have a diversity of ideas. Yeah. Uh, it is interesting because I wrote down in my notes originally when I watched and, and I wrote down, I am the man of ill intent. Uh, oh, that is a great line. But it's not the right line. He doesn't say I am the man of ill intent. He says I am, I am the, ill, the intent. ill intent. Yeah. Yeah. And that is kind of an odd way to put it. You know, it's a it's. It's a it's a grandiose way to put it, really. You know, not just to say he's I am more than a man; he's an idea. I'm not just the robber; I am the evil <laughs> that you know motivates the robber. Yeah, yeah, I cannot say enough about Diafrano on this show. Just cannot. Uh, this is from Agent Mister E, and he says, "Hello, agents. After completing season one of Daredevil, I would give it a score of four point five Billy Clubs." 
of five. I found it dramatic, action-packed, and emotional. I did not, however, find it tremendously enjoyable. To a certain degree, I found myself drained and slightly morose after binge-watching a season over a few days. I look forward to the return of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. with a more upbeat atmosphere. Uh, yeah, you know, that's that's one of the things. Um, I actually was doing a series of podcast episodes for our comic book time machine with uh, Evan about uh, uh, comics uh, and the movie uh, Gods and Monsters, Justice League Gods and Monsters. And I keep asking the question, was it enjoyable? Was it fun? And we, we kept having to answer, well, it was a good read. But I wouldn't call it fun because and, and that's the same kind of thing here with Daredevil. There is more, you know, there is fun moments in this, but it is dark. It is not, you know, light fair. It's not like ah, I got a half hour, you know, I'm going to just watch something light. I'm going to put on Daredevil. Now, the Incredible Hulk TV series, you might do that. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., you might even do that with some of their episodes, you know. Um, but you're not going to do it with Daredevil. And, and I, I'm wondering if, if I'm going to watch Daredevil again, probably when season two comes out, I would rewatch this, but it's a 13 hour commitment. It's a 13 hour commitment, but it's also 13 hours of uh, dark, you know, digging a hole deeper and deeper into the dark to mix metaphors. Uh, you come out on the other side you know, in, in that final episode, but yeah, I, I would agree with, uh, I would agree with you with, uh, agent Mr. E. <laughs> so. I saw what you did there. What did I do? Well, what Mr. E did there. Oh yeah. Yeah. Hey, that's all of the episode feedback we have for daredevil episode daredevil, but we do have some past feedback. Well, Maybe. Go ahead. Well, well, I was going to go to Avocado Kurt. Yeah. We'll yeah. call him Avocado Kurt one more time, at least, for the ones we leave behind. With episode 12, there's a lot of interesting things happening with all the key characters, and I, um, with the key characters, and each of them are left pretty much with no one, which really gives a feeling of despair and leaves you thinking, how will things get better and repaired by the last battle? The key things I remember from, them, from this episode was... Number one, Matt's parkour on the rooftops. This has to be one of my favorite sequences in the whole show. Matt chasing down the blind woman in that car was such a cool moment because it highlighted how cool and flexible Matt can be. I love me some hand-to-hand combat, but I also love seeing my heroes strut their stuff and show their agility and acrobatics. And Matt's movements on the rooftops were so fluid, slick, and badass. Plus, the music was really good, too. Number two. Daredevil in stealth mode. I loved how Daredevil's all sneaking around in Madame Gao's warehouse. Very ninja-like and so cool to watch. That is until he blows his cover and sends all of her blind workers after him. (laughs) Dang, that scene is quite creepy and scary at the same time. For a normal person, that would be impossible to get out of. Impossibly would feel like a scene from a nightmare slash horror film. Number three. Daredevil's first encounter with Madame Gao. When I first saw this, I lost my stuff. I knew Gal was important to me before, but that palm to the chest that said Daredevil flying away? Wow! She just proved to be one of the most dangerous and important people in the MCU who should not be taken lightly in combat. I instantly wanted answers about her abilities and hoped that we may get some in Season (coughs) 2. 
Iron Fist. <laughs> Luke Cage. <laughs> Defenders. Number four, Ben's death at the hands of Fisk. This is still one of, if not the most painful moments of this season. Ben Yurick was a man of integrity, intelligence, and determination. I love what he stood for, the way he had helped our team, Karen Voggy and Matt, and to see him taken out by Wilson Fisk was just saddening. I knew that when Fisk was in the room, Ben wasn't going to make it out of there, especially when Fisk mentioned his mother. You could see the anger building up and see him strangle my man Ben to death. It was uncomfortable. I've seen it twice and it doesn't get any easier. I'd like to think of Ben as one of the bright fires of the MCU. These individuals, while they may not last very long, leave a profound impact on the characters they were involved with, like Yinsen to Tony Stark and Iron Man. Now, obviously, Yinsen did not last as long or do as much as Ben, but they were both important people who did their duty until the very end. Anyways, that's my thought. Can't wait for the final episode. Agent Kurt, out. Yeah, those are some good thoughts, and I, I have to agree with all of them, really. Especially the, the Madame Gao stuff. <laughs> that one punch, it left quite an impact. Not just on Matt Murdock, but also on us. Now we got a message from uh, Agent Thomas. Subject is Daredevil and Things, and he reports in. Agent Thomas reporting in again. I finally caught up on Welcome to Level 7, just in time for Season 3, too. I've really been enjoying the discussion about Daredevil. I'm not someone who's particularly religious, but I think the scenes with the priest are really effective just because of how well they're written, and I enjoy that aspect of the character. The one thing I think you missed or skipped over, disclaimer, this is not an original thought of mine, the very first thing we learn about Ben as he's talking to his criminal world contact is that Ben never goes after the families of the people he attacks. That is a line that he made the choice not to cross. Our last scene with Ben has him getting murdered because Karen took that choice away from him. Uh, let's look at that point wow. real quick. That's really great. I mean, that's a great point. And, uh, you know, I don't know where, where you heard that, but wherever you heard that, you know, they deserve kudos because that that's a great point that it was a defining thing for for Ben and the people he wrote about. So, Wow. Next point uh, that he brings up is something that actually I tried to say, but I think he says it better than I did. And it says, uh, finally, I just wanted to say about the Ant-Man movie by itself. It's not ridiculously sexist, but the problem is that these movies don't exist in vacuums. The in-universe explanation for why hope was sidelined was a good character driven reason reason. But in the end, it was a group of white men who made that decision because that's the way they wrote directed it. Side note, Christopher Beck, the guy who did the music for Ant-Man, wrote most of the iconic soundtracks for various Buffy episodes. Um, yeah, and that's what I've been trying to say. And I think this says it nicely is just that um, this movie, if Ant-Man was just Ant-Man and it was the only superhero movie, I, I wouldn't have a problem with with her not getting in the costume, you know, but since it is kind of a trend of superhero movies and it, it just is one more brick in the wall to again, use a horribly mismatched uh, metaphor. So I do think we have to give a quick thank you, Ben. We do a uh, quick. Thank you goes to agent Ed 50 from the United States of America. 
who uh, put in a five-star uh, review at iTunes. And we appreciate that. Um, the things he said was, was very nice. Uh, his line was my favorite podcast. That, that's, that feels really nice, too. Um, and I just a quick little commercial here for that. And that is to say, uh, when you do leave a five-star review, it does help people to find us. Um, because it, it somehow the algorithms that are used for search engines and stuff like that within iTunes does take that into account when people do a search for something like Agents of Shield or maybe even Daredevil. I don't know what people are searching for when they're looking for our podcast, but I don't think you'll find it looking for Daredevil. We're trying to figure out how to make that SEO work, but I don't even know what SEO stands for. So, oh wait, I do search engine optimization optimization so i knew the first two words but so if you like what we're doing here a nice review over at itunes really does help others find us in our community and if you don't like what we're doing here we're the green screen podcast (laughs) (laughs) there's a name i haven't heard since All right. Well, that wraps up our our discussion of Daredevil. And I'll just say this right now. I really enjoyed talking about Daredevil. I think that I would have enjoyed the Daredevil series, even if I wasn't podcasting about it. But podcasting about it has made me really appreciate it a lot, lot more. And so I I've enjoyed the conversation. I've enjoyed your conversation, Daniel. I've enjoyed the the feedback we've gotten from people. I've enjoyed talking about it with um, people online and everything. So I do want to thank you again from the just this is a deep, heartfelt thanks. Thank you for listening, but also thank you for taking part in the conversation and for, um, you know, talking about things on Facebook and for, you know, tweeting things out. And it's it's fun. It makes this worthwhile. And Hopefully um, that fun is is evident when you listen. <laughs> I know sometimes it's not evident based on some of the, the feedback we've gotten about our negative reviews. But even when we're negative about something, we're liking it still. We wouldn't do this if we didn't like it. We wouldn't do this if we didn't think it was worth talking about. And when we have something negative to point out, that's us. You know, that's our opinion. And that's why we love having listeners who have different opinions. So. Again, thank you very, very much. Daniel, any uh, final words? Wait, no. No, there's Wait, no final words. Not final words, final doing? verdict. Final verdict. What was I doing? It's like you to... completely forgot how this show works. Sometimes. So, yeah, Daniel, this is the part where we give our final verdict on the episode. Give, uh, you know, how many Billy Clubs out of five for the episode and I'm also going to say Daniel I think we need to give the series a final verdict so be thinking about that oh it's thought okay so how many how many billy clubs out of 5 do you give this episode for the episode I've been down to Melvin's shop and I borrowed some tools I'm going to give this episode oh you're cutting billy clubs are no. I am I am. I'm going to give it 3.75 Billy Clubs. Interesting. I am going to go ahead and talk to Melvin. And, you know, I don't like to let things go to waste. So I am going to take that 
partial Billy Club and add it into my score and give it 5.25 Billy Clubs. Do you remember I did something like that once and you accused me of shenanigans? Yeah, yeah. That's why I'm doing it right now, actually, is I am doing shenanigans. You can accuse me of it right now because I'm doing it. I really I like this episode. Real a lot. hard time with you saying that. A real hard time. No, I am giving it five though. Just because there are so many other episodes that that just make this episode just look not as well done. Well, here's the thing, I, Daniel. There's so many No, I understand what you're saying. And here's where I'm coming from. The sum of the parts, in my opinion, is greater than the whole. And so when I look at that arrest scene, when I look at the Kingpin Murdoch battle, when I look at the funeral scene at the beginning, you know, these are all things. And then that final shot, these are all things that are alone. You know, they're, they're great. I'll just I'm just going to continue to argue that the two episodes in front of it were better. They might be, but I believe I gave them pretty high scores, too. I'm just saying. I'm just after saying. You go, after you go through the whole bin stuff, you go through the path of righteousness and the ones we leave behind, and then you get here. It just doesn't measure up against what was ahead of it. And past me agreed. Past me said it keeps the level of quality, but it just doesn't feel as good. But present me right now is saying it's a good ending to a great series. And I'm telling but, you, but it's this the needs sum to be a great ending to a great series, well, not a good ending. It needs to be great. Daniel, there were some great, great moments, and the great, great moments were good enough for me to say I'm giving it a five. I'm going to five and the series itself. I'm going to go ahead and, and just say that the series itself deserves, I think four and a half to 4.75, which rounds up to five. Yeah. You're totally shenanigans. This is a four star series. Really? It's four stars. Yeah. I think highly of it. I think there's episodes that knocked my socks off. There's moments that knocked my socks off. There's also moments that just kind of drug for me. You know, Karen still doesn't really work for me much. Um, the Daredevil at times, you know, I don't find him overly sympathetic. So they're just things that bring it down. Now, I, I will say this. Part of the reason I'm being a hard judge is because I think the Netflix concept has been proven. But this is our first toe in. This is our first experience with it. I really wonder if some of our future stuff is going to be better. And I will continue to say this. I'm excited. I know they can't cast him for heaven's sakes. They can't figure that out. But I'm really excited about Iron Fist. I'll say this. I have. I wonder if they are going to be able to meet this level of quality again. Because I'm looking at this and I'm thinking this is one of the you know, the best shows I've seen. I just think based on the conversations we've been having about Jessica Jones, that there's a chance it could happen. It's possible. Just our private conversations about the thematic material that we're wondering. And that we are actually aware of, let alone the thematic material that's there. It's making us struggle now in many ways. You know what I mean? 
it's giving us stuff to talk about now. And all we've seen is stills. And this is from at least me, a guy who's read one good Jessica Jones story arc. One. And I've read one good Jessica Jones story, but it was a what if. (laughs) So, I mean, I think Daredevil has paved the way for Marvel on Netflix. But I still think that there's better stuff coming. Might be. And, and I still Might have problems. With, I have some problems with the show at times. Again, the first time through when I was binge watching it, it really did at times feel like it dragged. I'll point out, though, to any of our listeners who might be you know, wanting to jump down Daniel's throat. He's defending why he's giving it four stars instead of five. True. You know, this is not him saying it's a bad series. This is him saying, here's where it could have been a little bit better. Right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And for me, I look and at again, this. When I say even this episode, I can't give it even four stars. It's because I'm comparing it to things that occurred directly before it within the series. I'm comparing it to itself. Yeah. And, and I am too, but I, 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 I'm looking at this episode and I'm seeing these isolated things. They're going to be things that stick with me. I mean, that, that daredevil kingpin fight, it's going to stick with me. The arrest scene, it's going to stick with me. The funeral and Doris and her reaction. Wesley. Wesley. No, don't. So much stuff. Yeah. The series itself, though, also has those moments. You know, I I think I brought it before that um, in in my screenwriting classes, one of my professors had what she called the haunting moment. You know, which is something that outside of the context of the story sticks with you. And you look back on and, and you're like that. It's, it's, it's just this thing that you can pull out from the, the film itself or from the series itself and remember. And and one of those is that silent arrest scene that wrapped up the fall. I mean, that was the fall of the Empire right there. So, yeah, well, now, Daniel. I've said my heartfelt thanks completely in the wrong place. I'm just going to refer back to them and say those are my final parting words. Do you, Daniel, have any final parting words that you would like to impart upon any of our listeners? I just want you to remember, you know, again, I may have at times this summer seemed a little harsh towards Daredevil. I'm trying to compare a quality thing to quality things. It's not like I'm watching Arrow that makes me want to gouge my eyes out. You know what doesn't make you want to gouge your eyes out? Cold cuts, Italian meats, cheeses. Thanks for listening to Welcome to Level 7. You've heard us, now we'd love to hear from you. Go to welcometolevel7.com slash feedback where you can contact us through our website. You can also leave us a voicemail by calling 177-55-LEVEL-7. You can also join the lively conversation going on at facebook.com slash welcometolevel7 or connect with us on Twitter where we're level7pod. And remember, the 7 is spelled out. Our theme music is The Light Fantastic by J.S. Earls, and you can find that at transplant.bandcamp.com. Welcome to Level 7 is a proud member of the Noodle Mix Network. Find more of our award-winning and award-nominated podcasts to make you think, laugh, and succeed at noodle.mx. 
learn how to podcast, get productive in your personal and professional life, theorize over TV shows, laugh with our clean comedy, delve into science fiction and philosophy, learn critical thinking from movie reviews and more at noodle.mx. Once again, thanks for listening. And remember, welcome to Level 7. It's not just a podcast. It's a magical place. Men, it's two, year two of the Renaissance, buddy. What do you mean? The superhero renaissance on TV? Superhero everywhere. Remember when we were kids and we couldn't find superheroes on TV? No. <laughs> I, I could remember that. Well, no, the Incredible Hulk was always there. Knight Rider was always there. When was Knight Rider truly a superhero? That's kind of a, he's well, an action hero or a superhero. Kit was a superhero. So, so here's what I want to talk about, Ben. And we kind of talked about this last year at this time. I believe this is the time of year where we predicted that uh, Constantine wouldn't make it. I think we did. Or you did, at least. I I, I pretty much did. So what I'd like to throw out there is I want to talk about some superhero TV. Okay. Will you be watching it? And what do you think its future is going to hold? Now, I'm going to throw some constraints on this. Okay. Because I don't want to talk forever. Good. So number one, I'm removing two shows from this that aren't agents of shield. And those shows are Jessica Jones. Cause we're clearly going to be watching it and agent Carter. Cause we're clearly going to be watching it. All right. So I'm just going to pull those uh, off. The what list. about agents of shield? Uh, dude, <laughs> it's five seasons in a movie. Okay. Clearly, so clearly, clearly, list. clearly, clearly, clearly we are going to be watching all those things. Here's another thing I'm going to take off the list. Okay. Things that are premiering in 2016. We can talk about those later. So, so what does that take off, off? Legends of Tomorrow. Oh, that's not until then. I didn't realize that. Yeah, it's huh. mid-season. And then oh, okay. something that I've never watched, but maybe we should have talked about in the past. I Zombie. Yeah, I never watched it either, but it is a comic book uh, show. It's yeah, a, and, uh, and then things like Preacher. I don't really know when Preacher is going to debut, and and so I just don't know. Okay, so so, so that's what, not going to come on, on the list. But, I, but I've got a few. I've okay, got a few. Just, I want to talk. Just throw about. them out there, and, and let's let's do this. Let's do the easy one. Okay, Arrow. Are you watching it? I haven't watched it in about a year and a half, so I doubt it. So, what do you think is in the future for Arrow? I think it's got a couple more seasons in it. I also am not going to be watching it. I stopped watching it last year after I saw them shamefully handle Mark Shaw. I did attempt over the summer to watch some of season one. You know what I found when I watched season one? About three or four episodes, man. Three or four episodes before it went totally melodramatic and lost me. Okay. But I think it's got two more seasons in it. Yeah, I, I, I think so, too. And, I mean, Smallville led to Arrow, but Arrow is what has led to a lot of this other stuff that we're getting. So, All right. The Walking Dead. I'll be watching, but not until Netflix. I've never seen an episode, and I think its future is all the money in the world. <laughs> I just read something that they're doing like a one-shot episode that'll not be Walking Dead and won't be Walking Dead Fear of the Dead or whatever that, that spinoff series is, but it'd be like its own mini-movie, I guess, of a zombie outbreak on a plane or something like that. I don't know how real that was. I just saw the headline. I thought... Interesting. I hope it goes to Netflix. So, yeah. There you go. Gotham. 
Gotham, I need to catch up on. Want to watch season one. I only got halfway through it before I kind of lost track of it and would like to watch season two. As far as how long it's going to last, I don't know. I don't know because it's kind of a weird animal. It's a very weird animal. Um, I've seen all of season one. I would say there's things I liked about it, things that I didn't like about it. I think a lot of people compare it to Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. just because you've got kind of a a team. Um, they're very, very different shows. But it's there's a superhero some, show without being a superhero show. Yeah, exactly. Which, I, I mean, at times, that's what they tried to advertise Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. being in season one. Exactly, yeah. I, I do feel like this is a show where the writers have tested and adjusted based on what some fan input was. Things they didn't like. I mean, they're going to quit doing the villain of a week so much in season two, which I kind of don't necessarily want to see that go. Um, but, uh, you know, I'll be honest, Gotham, I wonder if it's going to make it to season three. I would say that that is a distinct possibility that it will not last that long. I just, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. And I, this, I'm saying these things with not knowing what the uh, the viewer ratings are, but a show on the CW doesn't have to have the same number of viewers as a show on, say, Fox. So just because of the... the yeah, the, Arrow can continue to be going strong, but have half the viewers, if not even less. A, a, a successful a show on Fox is going to have far more viewers than a successful show on, on the CW. It's just, so speaking of successful shows on the CW, The Flash. So, I haven't watched season one yet. Want You're really to. missing out. I know. I know I'm missing out. And now season two is going to be starting pretty soon. And I think there's three more seasons in that, too. I, th- I think it's fantastic. If anything, I I I watch every episode. Um, if anything, I'm depressed that Grant Gustin isn't the big screen Flash. I think it's fun. It's fun, it's fun, it's fun, and it's got so many Easter eggs, so many hints, and so many references where some of the stuff in Arrow kind of felt forced because some of those villains that they brought in or name-checked, they felt like it didn't necessarily fit in the Arrow world. They fit in the Flash world. And I'm kind of looking forward to DC's Legends of Tomorrow. I am too, but we're not talking about that. The show that I thought was on last night. Supergirl. Supergirl. <laughs> I did not realize Dean Kane. What? Yeah. Yeah. And Helen Slater, too. Interesting. I don't know what they're playing. I just read that Helen Slater would be on it, and she was the the cinematic Supergirl, part of the Christopher Reeve universe of Superman stories. Um, the The fifth Superman movie, if you would. So uh, I'll just come out and say it. I am not a Superman family, overly excited guy. I didn't plan on watching Supergirl. Mrs. Butcher actually made me record it. Even though it's not on. (laughs) (laughs) Made you... And and it, there is a lot of good buzz. And again, Gotham, if you want to be worried about Gotham, they're going to be going up against each other. That is weird. 
the Superman show without Superman and the Batman show without Batman. The difference is the title character of Supergirl is actually in it. But I just find it weird that it's not tied into a canon Superman, but they're going to be talking about Superman. So, so in, am I wrong in thinking you're going to watch this? I probably will not watch it on TV as an appointment television type of thing. I will probably wait and try and watch it free on Netflix. Well, free quote unquote, or hopefully Amazon prime or Netflix will carry it. If it's on Hulu and it's paid Hulu, then there might be a problem. Although there is one show that will make me probably subscribe to Hulu for a little while, but it's not a superhero show. So I, before we had this conversation out of all these shows, this was going to be my Constantine for this year. I'm again, I know a lot of people like that teaser. I'm not a huge fan of it. I know that the first episode was leaked and a lot of people liked it. I haven't seen it. Um, and I think it's just that buzz that makes me think, like, if any show's at risk, it is Gotham. We, we know Arrow's not going anywhere. You know. Arrow Flash and, and Flash anywhere. aren't going anywhere. And they're getting a third spinoff with that. Um, Legends, Legends of Tomorrow. Of Tomorrow. Uh, Supergirl, I'm curious. I think that's one that it's either going to hit nicely and catch lightning in a bottle, so to speak. Or it's going to be one of those expensive failures. And they're going to have the same problems that we have on Tuesday nights of this is CBS. This is a big network, so those numbers do matter. It's going to have to do bigger numbers than Smallville. Yeah, yeah. And then last but not least, Heroes Reborn, Benjamin. Yeah, this I will try to watch um, on network television. On the night that it airs. We'll see if I can, but. <sighs> Man, I. I had issues with the ending of Heroes. Because it wasn't and an I, ending. Well, but I feel like now we have an opportunity to make that ending matter. And so I've become <laughs> unreasonably excited. I have a feeling if we weren't doing Welcome to Level 7, that there might be a small part of Agent Daniel Butcher who would want to be Evo Daniel Butcher. Hmm? I'm just I'm just saying, I'm looking forward to it. I look forward to watching without a notepad. <laughs> My expectations are unreasonably high because I'm a huge Heroes fan. I've defended it and also been very honest about it and i welcome some old friends back this week and while i watch it i will watch every one of them every single episode will be viewed (sighs) maybe even appointment tv ben well i it's going to have to be for me i can't record it i'll have to unless nbc puts it online you know on their website they, or something. Which they did yeah. back in the day. So here's my expectations. But no, no, Ben, why don't you give me your expectations first of Heroes Reborn and what happens next? What happens next is it's a – I think that they're intending it to be a self-contained series similar to what they actually pitched Heroes to be 
where it was a self-contained season. Each season would be about different characters uh, with maybe a couple bleeding over, but that's what it looks like. We've got a couple characters from the original series who will show up in this one. I think this season will do well enough that it'll get another season, uh, at least one more short season. But I don't know how much more beyond that. But I'm just, I'm also predicting they'll give it an ending. When this, when Heroes Reborn season one ends, you'll feel like you've watched an entire story in the vein of Daredevil, really. And Ben, my prediction for Heroes Reborn is that it will get unreasonably and crazy high ratings number. It will find itself in the top 10 of all television programs which will lead to a season two of Re Heroes Reborn with amazingly overblown expectations, uh, a full, full season pickup, and an opening that will, in fact, erase whatever ending the first season of Heroes Reborn actually had. <laughs> I'm glad to see you haven't uh, set your expectations too high. Yeah, you know, me and my therapist had some talks. All right. Well, there it is. Fall superhero television. Get viewing. <laughs> All right. Later, man.